welcome again to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. That is AJ. Got my point right tonight. He is the Green. I am the Beige. Name is Ken. And welcome again to the fourth edition of the Green Beige Podcast. And this week, we, we do have some interesting topics of conversation. I know that it might get a little bit heated at some point. We'll see how it goes. But this week, we had the championship round. This weekend was the championship round of the NFL playoffs, where the GOAT, Tom Brady, was up against another old boy in Aaron Rodgers on the NFC side. Almost, It still sounds a little foreign to talk about Brady and the NFC, but we'll get into that. And then... On the AFC, we had what they called the young goat, Patrick Mahomes. He was up against Josh Allen and the Bills. Now, I know that right now, when we're looking at the NFL and we're looking at the teams that are coming forward and actually progressing, it seems like if all of the good young stars are over in the AFC side. We have lots of young, emerging, promising talent in the AFC, whereas the NFC seems to be still hanging around with the old guard. But the winds of change are blowing, and depending on how we get through these topics, we may talk about some of that too. But first, I think that the best place to start would be Tampa Bay and Green Bay. So... We had Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going over to Lambeau Field in the snow. The Florida boys were heading up into the cold to stake a claim to get to the to the big dance, you know. They wanted to get to the Super Bowl. And I know that the majority of the Tampa Bay disciples oh boy, here we go. are in <laughs> full voice today. You know, they are elated because their guy has now made it to his 10th Super Bowl in 21 seasons. I mean, it is incredible. 21 seasons, 10 Super Bowl appearances, all of the postseason records that you can think of. Mr. Brady pretty much has them all. But here's my question to you, Idja. This is how we kick this one off. Was this game more about Tampa Bay winning it or Green Bay losing it? No, I take in a little bit of the uh, first tape play, but we gotta ask a question to get started. <laughs> All right. Honestly, I'm still saying, I'm still going to say that it was about Tampa Bay winning it. Green Bay didn't play their best, but you know what? Even even. And obviously, you know what? Let me start with Tom. Let me start with Tom. Ken, go ahead. I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. Rest in, rest in peace, buddy, man. So, yeah. So, the year is, is, is in the early 2000s. I still cannot remember the year. And have uh, uh, one of my cousins is down by me. He has his, his PlayStation 2, like the, the latest console on the market. Man has Madden, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I've never played Madden at this point in time. Like I said, early 2000s, I wasn't an avid follower of the sport. I used to, I wasn't an avid watcher of, of, of games. I used to follow it, follow scores. You know, there were names I knew. Cool. And wasn't an avid watcher. Cousin comes to me and says, you know what? Let's, let you play Madden. Pick a strong team. It don't matter who. I pick the weakest team in the game I beat it. I'm like, all right, cool. I knew the name of the, the Patriots. They had actually won... Um, the Super Bowl that would have preceded that, that release of Madden. So I was like, yeah, all right. 2002 season then. It could, it could be. It could be. Well, don't forget, they did win three in that in that four-year span. So it could, it is one of them. Um, I can't remember exactly, honestly. I can't remember the year. Either way, so he made that mistake and I cut him up in every single game, right? With mm-hmm. the pass. With Tom Brady as QB. And that, my friend, is how I began this journey. Right? I have I been... I've been, I've been a fan of it ever since. It is Tom who got me, because you know, I started to understand a bit more from Payne Madden, started to follow the parts more. And actually, the first loss to the Giants is when it, it really hit me that, yeah, I, this was actually my team, right? Mm-hmm. 
I'm saying all that to say Tom Brady's incredible and I'm, I'm honored to have been a fan. No, to get back to more recent events, yesterday, that's so much time. We're talking almost 20 years ago now. Yesterday, a man is 43 years old. He started off the game playing incredibly. To be honest, I, in one of the groups, it was said that, oh, the first drive wasn't fantastic. That was, a, that was an excellent drive, the, the, the very first drive. It was excellent. He was pinpoint on his throws. Some of the routes were good. And they converted. It was three, three um, third downs on that drive. And the touchdown itself to Mike Evans was a third down as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they started off well. Tom did not play well in the second half at all. To, to the point where if they had lost, that loss would have been on him. But the reason why I, I, I'm saying this is still about the Bucs winning it is because they were better coached and they were prepared. They knew what they were going to do, right? And as much as Green Bay didn't look up to the challenge or like, they, they weren't in, Green Bay like wasn't able to capitalize on, on Brady's mistakes and whatnot. But if you realize how um, Tampa Bay, their defense was up to par on, on the day. First of all, the, the Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett were incredible for the entire day. The men were relentless with pressure on Aaron Rodgers, right? Um, I think it was Shaq Barrett that got like three sacks. Um, JPP had another two. Relentless with the pressure, right? Um, on Todd, Bowles, Todd Bowles did an amazing job with them defensively because when Tom almost put them in hot water, he had the right defensive schemes to get them out of it, which is why I'm saying this is not more about Tampa Bay because this entire team was complete and ready to compete. So the three, yeah, there were three turnovers on. It was three consecutive drives, right? And Green Bay turned only one into points. And then they went for the two-point conversion, the one that Equinemius St. Brown dropped that was right on his numbers, right? At the end of the day, Ken, I don't care how, how badly um, Green Bay paid, I, there's been debate uh, as to whether Aaron Rodgers choked. Um, we know Kevin King was cooked for the entire day. And when and when they noticed that, when Tampa Bay noticed that, they, they kept targeting him instead of Jair Alexander. We know Jair Alexander is solid, right? So he wasn't really, yeah, they weren't really putting the ball on his side. But this is more, this is about Tampa Bay because they were prepared offensively. And even when the offense wasn't getting it going, the defense was ready. And that those are the types of teams you need to win. Like, as much as the QB is the most important position, he's not going to have a spectacular game all the time. And you need the defense to be able to make stops. They did it with aplomb. So this is more about Tampa Bay winning it than Green Bay losing it. So you made some very interesting points that I had here noted. And I'm not going to let you get away with it because you're going to ease some of the the statements and some of the criticism that I am the same way you held my feet to the fire last week I got some fire for your boy but before I get there to answer the question that I asked I agree that this game was more about Tampa Bay the team winning the game than Green Bay necessarily losing the game because as you mentioned Green Bay did not seem to have a proper answer for the rush of Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. And Rodgers was under duress a lot of the time. There were players where they did not give him an opportunity to set his feet to be able to try to throw the ball down the field. So he was, he was just under duress and he did not necessarily um, handle the pressure as well as we would like to think. One of the things that a lot of people going into this game, they were always making mention of was that Rodgers, you know, the whole conversation going back to the beginning of the season from the NFL draft, it was that Green Bay did not draft any skilled position players to help him in the first round. Instead, they decided to bring in a quarterback who has not taken a snap all season. So obviously he was a project for the future. And Let's be honest, there's no way that another quarterback is going to take any first-team snaps as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy. But the lack of 
having proper skill position talent around him showed up in this game. Because Marquez Valdez Scantling, he's a decent wide receiver. He drops the ball too many times. And he's extremely good at running fast and running far. But when it comes to the more complex routes, you don't really see well. Let's put it this way. We might not know just how many routes he can run because he isn't asked to run very many. The majority of the routes, all of the different moves and releases at the line, those go towards Devontae Adams, who by his usual stellar marks did not have the greatest game either. Nine catches, 67 yards, one touchdown. Nine catches, nine catches. It's it, the game, though. Yeah. Exactly. And it's the same thing that would happen to most number one receivers when you get into this position of the playoffs. You're not going to let the team's best players beat you. So Rodgers went for third, went 33 or 48 for 346 <clears throat> yards, three touchdowns, one interception. I guess killed by I can come back to that interception. But I want to make a point here about Rogers based on something that you said last week. I heard you say, I know you saw the look on my face. I, I didn't respond to it because at that time I figured to respond to a lot of what you said about Drew Brees. We'll go into the whole conversation about Brees that I believe is better suited for when he makes his announcement and does what the football world expects, which is to retire. Mm -hmm. However, last week you said that you have Brady and Rogers on a level that Breeze does not match up to because of what those two have done. So, all right, go ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <clears throat> no, no, finish your point. Finish your point. Finish your point. Okay. All right. Cool. So let's let's see what Rogers has done so far. Rogers has won one Super Bowl. Brees has also won one Super Bowl. Rogers has been to the NFC play, NFC Championship game five times. He's won one of them. Brees has been to the NFC Championship game one time. He's won one of them. In the NFL, there are 12 seasons where quarterbacks have had 5,000 passing yards. Mm -hmm. Breeze has five of them by himself. Rodgers has one of them. When you talk about accuracy and all of those passing yards, passing touchdowns, Breeze is ahead of Rodgers by some distance, yet somehow, you have Rogers placed above Breeze, even though the same way how you say that Breeze is not that guy and he can't do it and he hasn't done it, those same criticisms can be leveled at Aaron Rodgers. And this week, he had the opportunity to do it. We, we talk about the best quarterbacks. They have a certain degree of clout. They have a certain amount of leeway where they can change things at the line. They can they can audible, they can see something different and they can rewrote the receivers. They can get the running bots to run in a different... They can do all kinds of different things. And then Rodgers had the opportunity to do it. I mean, 346 yards, three touchdowns. I can't say that he had a bad game. But in the fourth quarter, what happened? Where was he? He wasn't there. He wasn't phoned. And the Packers lost 31 to 26. Right. So so here's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this 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 came a little a little sooner than I expected, but I'm still prepared for you because my argument was it wasn't just about what he is. Yes, I did mention what he has done. And you mentioned the that's part of it. But I realize you 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 um you let you deliberately, I'm pretty sure you deliberately left out the fact. That Aaron Rodgers is a two-time league MVP. Drew Brees ain't got none of them. And more, he, he more than likely will get his third this season. Drew Brees has none of those. No, I was very specific. I'm very meticulous in what I say. To me, Drew Brees is not, and I've said he's not an elite QB. 
Because I don't, like, there's no way you could tell me that after winning that one Super Bowl with that com combination, supposedly, of him and Sean Payton, who's supposed to be a good coach. And Sean Payton, yes, is, the, is a better coach than Aaron Rodgers has had in his entire career. Right? He only, y'all only got back to, you know, well, oh yeah, to, to uh, the NFC Championship game, you got back to it once. Once. Aaron Rodgers with Mike McCarthy, who neither of us rated above Sean Payton. We probably don't even know if you rated above LeFleur at this point. Got 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 to the um to that NFC championship game twice. No back-to-back -back years with LeFleur. So I there's still there's still a, a, a distinct level of a difference there. You mentioned the passing stats. I would never ever ever say that Drew Brees is not an elite passer. I've never ever seen he's not an elite passer. But so how can he be an elite passer and not an elite QB? How, because how does because mental, mental. I don't, I don't, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And and you're talking about the game yesterday, right? But let's not also forget that for the most part, Rogers didn't get it done. But we know that his stats still were not bad. Like they weren't out of the game completely up until, and obviously the most thing, the most talked about point at, at this juncture is the fact that LeFleur didn't go for it on the fourth down, right? Yeah, fourth Thinking that over, I had, it, had the three touchdown, the three timeout, sorry, uh, and still the two-minute warning. So, yeah, it was like four time. Yeah. Studying analytics and made the wrong decision. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sean, you know, you know Sean Payton was putting the ball in, in, in Drew Brees' hands in that situation, right? Yep, of course. Good. LeFleur should have put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands. That was a mistake. So, at this point, we don't even know we don't even know if he could have won because it's not like he was given the opportunity and failed. He wasn't even given the opportunity at all. That's an indictment on Lafleur, though. In in the grand scheme of things, I get what they're saying. He did not get it done, but I still feel that that Rogers does more with less this year. This year, when it was actually Tavon Austin, so I don't know if you heard this start that this year the. Uh, the, uh, whatever was the first pass that Rogers threw to Tavon Austin was the first time he threw a pass to a receiver that was a first round um, pick in his entire career. Even even Tay wasn't first round, but still, and Tay is pro uh, possibly the best he's had in a while, right? Saying like Joey Nelson and them sorry boys, but the fact of the matter is he's done, he's done more with arguably less. He can do more. He's gotten at least. To, to the NFC Championship game a few times. Yeah, he didn't get over that hump, but still, that is more to me. And 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 just mentally, I just don't get it. I I I'll admit, I'll admit, there were instances yesterday where I feel like he did look a little mentally frail and frazzled. Like you could see, he gets a bit wired, and you know when when things ain't going his way, his leadership has has kind of always come in, in question, come into question, right? get all that but still i feel like already he's done based on eye test alone he can do more passing maybe not drew Brees is more accurate yeah i'll give you all drew Brees has all the stats and everything but i just never have gotten that vibe from drew Brees. after that one super bowl i've never gotten the vibe that he mentally is strong enough to carry that team there to, to just get you over the hump i just don't see no, this is where I, so dude this is where i could call you a hater right but at this point we're not really talking. We ain't really Actually, need to be bring, bring back up Breeze. We can save Breeze for later. We can save Breeze for another time. But I come and know for you, boy. Because as I was watching that game, I was making copious notes as to mm -hmm. what I was saying. Like, I could, I could show you the paragraph. Like, it's not even really showing up here because of the light. But you can see that paragraph I have from that game. And I tweeted out from 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 our show account that that um, Brady was literally tearing apart the Packers in the first half. He had two hundred and two yards and two touchdowns in the first half. Right? No, I know that one of the things people often talk about with these quarterbacks and should we decide <laughs> if a quarterback is good or great is what does he do when the player breaks down? What does he do when he's under pressure? And for many years, 
we haven't really seen a lot of Brady under too much pressure because he usually gets the ball up very quick. However, 2020 to 2021, this season we saw that Brady can be got if you put him under pressure. A lot of the criticisms that people have put towards Baker Mayfield, me included, and uh, Josh Allen to a lesser extent, and others, was what happens to you when you get under pressure. So remember I said Brady had 202 yards at the half, two touchdowns. So if we were to take the first half out, and just put the second half, just look at the second half by itself. What do we have? No, I was trying to find how many completions to attempts in the first half. I didn't make a note of it when they put the graphic up at halftime, and I can't find it back. But Brady has 78 yards, one touchdown, and three picks. Now, you mentioned that if the Bucs had lost this game, it would have been on Brady. Brady did his absolute best to give it away in that second half because the first pick was bad. The second pick, like, I don't know how Mike Evans was supposed to catch that ball. Like, I, I, and, and when we spoke, I agreed. That was, that yeah, was an you, uncatchable ball. You're right, you agree with I, me. I, I, I did say that all three picks were on him, you know. I, I did yeah, admit yeah, that. I, yeah. I understand, but, but no, we, I'm not letting you just get away with just saying that. is meant to get away with. I, you, as you read, go ahead, go ahead. I'll be ready. I'll be ready. And then that third pick. That third pick reminded me of a pick that I saw Jimmy Garoppolo throw last year. Where he was under so much pressure, he just shut his eyes and threw the ball up in the air and hoped for the best. And the best was it didn't fall out of bones. It dropped straight into a man's hand. Brady was not good. If we take that full game into consideration, as good as he was in the first half, he was worse in the second. And there is a better executing Green Bay, not even necessarily calling some other team. Green Bay executing better in that second half. They had every opportunity to win that game because Tom was doing his best to just hand it to them. He was, it was like, Rogers, take this, please. Please take this. Go ahead to the Super Bowl because I got enough. They're talking about how they got that they had seven rings in that game, and how Brady got six. So apparently, he like in the second half, he just tell himself, "Well, you know, really, truly, I don't need to go get another one. Rogers needs to cement his legacy, so I'm just gonna give the ball away <clears throat> as much as I can." Your response? I mean, yeah, he did give away. He did have three terrible giveaways, and I admitted that to you too. Um, Mind you, there's some Brady apologists. I even heard Skip saying this morning <laughs> that Mike Evans should have caught that ball. I'm like, nah, this, that's ridiculous. He would have huh? to disconnect his wrists and yeah, throw his hands up to catch that. Even looking at the replay, I cannot see what more Mike Evans would have done. And you know you know, what's a funny thing? All three of those picks were on shots to Mike Evans, you know? All three of them. Um, yeah. Because he he does like to do that, and and even the the last one was the worst for me too. Because he doesn't usually make plays like that where he would just like toss it up in the air when he can't see where he's throwing to. But his head was up in the air, and like I was like, what? I, I don't under, I don't understand. He he had he had a bad phase of the game. I give it that. I give you that. At a the half end of the day, a phase. A half is it, not. No, it wasn't the entire. It wasn't the entire half. Though. That's the thing. He still managed the game. He still managed the game after that when they needed it. Coming down to the end of the game, he still managed it. 78 yards and three picks. That's that <laughs> that that, that is all that he he almost I, had a Peter Man. I'm half. talking, I'm talking, I I'm talking I test after that. I'm talking I test out. You can't just go on the stats after that. I'm talking I test. But well, I guess I, I, he, after he was that, not good. After that, after that, after no, after that, that because those are three consecutive drives. After that phase, he he was he still didn't go back to what he was doing in the first half. But he managed the game out. He did. He really did. And I, the the key, uh, the 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 one that sealed it was like a, a, 
uh, I think it wasn't a screen to Godwin. I, it was Godwin that caught it. I remember that much. There was a completion to to Gronk, um, which was like the only thing that Gronk did for the day. That, all, all he had to do after that was manage, and he did. He leveled back out and he managed the game. That's that that's what he that's what he brings. That's what he brings. Yes, yes, he was terrible for that period, and he almost gave it away. I completely admit that to the point, like like I said. If they had lost the game, if Green Bay was able to capitalize on on those takeaways and they had lost the game, I'd have to say it was on Tom, right? But it didn't. So as badly as he played there, the entire the team was ready, and then after that, caught himself, saw the game. Oh, game manager. That's what he, that's what he had to do. All right. Well, I mean. The only other thought I wanted to, to raise in this, you did mention it with uh, Kevin King. I don't, like, Kevin King is getting eviscerated in every corner today. Yeah, um, he, he, he can't be back on that roster next year. He absolutely cannot be back on this roster next year. I don't see how he can show his face in a locker room again, in that locker room, that is. Can't happen. All right, but... All right, so the, the touchdown that he gave up with eight seconds left, I went back to look at this play because I heard what they were saying on the broadcast, and I 100% agree. There is no way that you should be getting beat deep with eight seconds right. left. When you know that, basically, it's either a quick out, which means that they're going to have to try to kick this extremely long field goal, and you're down at that time they were down 14 to 10. So the game was still right. was still very much in the balance. Mm-hmm. It was still very close. And I think that what King did is that he listened. He, he like everybody else, you know, they heard them talking about Scott Miller, Scotty Miller. And they described Scotty Miller in the ways that they described Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, this, you know, this blue-collar That'd guy. That'd be his fault. That'd be his fault. It would be his... You need to study the tape, though. The one thing that Miller has that Edelman never had and Wes Welker never had is blistering pace. He he is not just some little slot receiver that can just come and catch the ball five yards just so we can keep the chains moving. No. Miller is the man that Tom looks for deep. The same way how they use Valdez Scantling, like... If you see Scott Miller laying up on the outside and you are covering him, at that point in time, you have to tell yourself, there's no way this man gets past me. So You, you know what's the worst thing? Sorry, that, just to interject slightly. You know what's the worst thing about it? The man wasn't even looking at, at Scott Miller, you know. The man's, the, man is, the man's attention is focused on in, on the inside where there's already a safety covering covering that area. So what, and, and the, <laughs> when, I saw the, when I saw the play breakdown, right? He's looking inside and he literally has his hand out. You know, like how a parent would put their hand out when they had to um, stop real suddenly and, and you, you don't want your child to, yeah, but have his hand out as if he thought that that was supposed to stop Scott Miller from getting past him. Uh, <laughs> and and Tom, Tom, Tom saw it. He saw it. He saw the he saw it from the snap. He realized when the man's eye, where King's eyes was, not realized, all right, well, he can't catch and Scotty gone, boom, dime on the dime. And, and he's like, and and that was the beginning of the end for King. King could not recover after that. But sorry, you, yeah. No, but I I, I don't have a problem you interjecting there because no, I was moving on to the second part. So you know mm-hmm. he he then gets called for the defensive pass interference late in the game, which pretty much seals the game. It gives them the first down, which allows then Tom, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady to take knees and just run the clock out. But in his defense, though, and. We need to talk about this officiating because the part, the interception that Rogers threw in the first half, that was holding that wasn't called. Right. So you remember as well, I told you, I didn't, I was kind of in and out of, of the first half. So I wasn't watching intently. My TV was on mute as well. So I did not see that play. So mm-hmm. I wasn't, I'm not going to argue and say not. I can't argue against that one because I saw someone else say that that was the case as well. Murphy, I did, not, I did not see the. Uh-huh. Murphy Bunton was holding the entire game, the entire game, and the rest were not calling any of it. To be fair, King's hold, his pass interference, it was too obvious not to call. The man's shirt was literally stretched out half a yard behind him. So he didn't give the refs much of a, a choice. 
But the one thing I had always appreciated about the NFL versus the NBA was that mm-hmm. a foul was a foul regardless of when it happened and where it happened. So in week one, a foul was the same thing that you would see in the championship game or the Super Bowl. So if a hold was being called back then, it would still be called in the later games. For some reason, this weekend, things that were getting caught all season long, all of a sudden the flags, like they just lost them. And it was frustrating for me to watch it. I can't ever say as a casual fan because my rooting interest was not for Brady to make it to the Super Bowl. Not even for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to get him because I don't really have a lot of love for Aaron Rodgers either. But my rooting interest was Brady must not make it to the Super Bowl. And the refs did just enough to keep the game going in such a way that it worked out advantageous for the Buccaneers. And then they found their flags that they, that they had swallowed all game long to call it on the Packers. That, like I said, at the end of the day, it was a call that had to be made. But after not calling it all game long, then to call it in this moment, it will sting. It will sting if you do not have Buccaneers rooting interests. While I, while I get all that, you know that that is the least discussed topic about that entire game today. Of course. Like, no of no course. one cares. No one cares. It is a valid point, and I, I would not say that it didn't have any effect on the game. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that it, like it was. I don't think it was even the main reason why the Packers lost. Uh, like I said in in one of the groups before, the the Bucks were a better team. They were better coached. They were better prepared. So even even when even when their quarterback was not doing it, the defense was able to make the stops. That that that's why I have two sides of the ball, right? I it, it's not the same. It's not the same for Green Bay. O- overall, they just didn't look like they. Like they deserve to win the game, so I can't really be upset with the result, regardless of the little things that happen. Like the, Along the way. yeah, the, the, your defense get torched. And to be fair, Green Bay's defense wasn't good at the beginning of the year. They were the worst defense in like the first three weeks. They they got marginally better as it progressed. But um, not talking about Todd Bowles, Tom, and that offense. They they why why is the offensive coordinator name not even coming to mind now? Um, um, Leftwich, Byron Leftwich. Yeah, Byron Leftwich. Right. Um, like I said, they were prepared in 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 how they were going to go about attacking, and 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 basically, yeah, like attacking the 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 Packers defense and and getting their schemes. I, I don't know why I, I, I I'm losing what I was saying, but either way, yeah, they were more prepared. That's all I'm trying to say. So I I while I do agree with you that it was it was a talking point, and and I do have to admit as well it 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 would seem inconsistent because yeah there was another call that that was that that wasn't um that was missed as well i think it was on lazard again <laughs> it was saying that lazard was being held for the entire game i i did not i did not see re- re- replays specifically of um like just the holes or whatever but i also in discussion heard that you know holes was happening all over the place some was close, some wasn't. That's cool. But at the end of the day, I really don't. I, I don't blame the refs. Green Bay just didn't look prepared. If 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 I, I feel like if if the game were a little closer, I, you know what? No, I still don't blame refs. I never do. I can't. I don't do it anymore. I can't. Okay. Well, I think we have we have given enough to that game. There are other little things that I I would like to highlight, but. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure that they'll time. come up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll come up in two weeks' time. So <laughs> we'll uh, save those for then. Let's move on. Second game of the day, the AFC Championship game. We had the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and company going up into Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. And we both picked the Chiefs to win this game. And from very early on, like I missed... The majority of the Chiefs' first drive, I wasn't in front of the TV. When it came back, I saw they were punting. 
Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I actually like, got back after that on the on the it would have been on the Bills second drive when I got back and they were up and yeah. Okay. Right. So the one thing I had applauded uh Sean McDermott for very early on was that he seemed to have come with an aggressive mindset. He understood that he needed to pretty much get points on every drive. Because if he wasn't getting points, chances are they were gonna get blown up. So on the very first drive, um, they had a fourth and one at Kansas City's 49. They went for it and they got it. They finished that drive with a field goal by Tyler Bass, 51 yards. Cool. Kansas City kicks a punt on their first drive. And then, I mean, like, I remember when I was watching how bad Green Bay had started that game and how, how like, Things really weren't going well for them, and everything was working for the Buccaneers. I had asked if they had paid the voodoo man to put something upon upon Green Bay because it looking it was looking real bad. So when Buffalo kicks their punt on their second drive, and Harmon muffs it, and the ball is then like taken out, I think either from the four or from the one or something like that. I'm like, yeah, so, it was essentially like the one or something like that. And then so they scored the touchdown. I'm like, wait a second. So the same, the, so like Buffalo employed the same voodoo man because I I am not recognizing the Kansas City Chiefs at this point. And that's where uh, Josh Allen got his first touchdown pass when he passed it to Knox. And then they missed the point after. Mm-hmm. Everybody know like, we're not breaking no news here. Missing a PAT against the Chiefs, where you have a chance to put that 10 love in a hole, that's a problem. However, the Chiefs have been coming back from double-digit deficits pretty much this and en- this entire run that they've been having, they've been consistent with that. So I'm watching this game. I'm just here looking at my notes because like I literally pretty much like took down all of the the major things but one what i do want to highlight for sure hardman after his muffed punt he he then has three touches 54 yards and a touchdown and and within there it is the in the wrong um 50 yard run where he you know he got some good blocks he put on the jets and he almost broke it all the way out Tyreek Hill is hmm. Tyreek Hill is incredible. Let me let me let me start there. He is incredible. Nine catches, hundred and seventy-two yards, and not all of them were catches that he caught 20, 25 yards down the field. That man is incredible. Travis Kelsey. I cannot keep that man in single coverage. You absolutely cannot. Double coverage is not even a guarantee. It, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying it's still a better chance. I'm seeing single coverages like having no man at all. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's what that's I'm my saying. point. At, it, at least double coverage is, is some sort of effort. <laughs> some sort of effort. But single and 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 to, to kind of let me just get a point in here while you because yeah, go ahead. you talked about them going down and whatnot, right? So mm-hmm. when I got back in the house, the score was actually. Yeah, it was actually, they were down three, and then it was the Bills drive. And so, yeah, they ended up punting, and then that's when they recovered the punt from Hardman and whatnot. So even mm-hmm. after even after that touchdown pass in Knox, and they go up and Tyler Bass missed an extra point, but it's like nine nine zip, and yeah, and even at that point, I'm like, all right, this is not good enough still. Like, yeah, I, I wasn't even, I wasn't even the slightest bit worried for Kansas City. Because I, I know for sure 30 points at least was going to come. So it don't even matter when um, the Bills scored to me. If they scored nine, if they scored 15 in the first quarter uh, and they didn't get anything else, I, I, I know what they had to do was put up 30 points in that game. So the nine wasn't really bothering me. Like, it, it didn't make me for one second doubt Kansas City. And and uh, like you said, lo and behold, everything came to fruition. Uh, Travis Kelsey and... Terry Kill again were tearing up. Yep. Uh, and the Bills, and I, I remember there was a point in time we were watching, and I said, like, my wife was watching the game with me, and I said, I was screaming at the TV, I was like, you can't beat these men who are um, kicking field goals. 
and she just looked at me and laughed. <laughs> and sh- sh- shortly thereafter, it was set on. It was set on in in the commentary box, right? Like, yeah, it, 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 they need to capitalize on these drives and score touchdowns because field goals just won't cut it against this team. They will not and do it. So said, so done. And I was just like, all right, well, the inevitable is about to happen. It, it sure enough did. I mean, wait, I don't. You can go ahead. You know, I was I was resigned to the fact that this was going to happen. No, the the, the for me the one of the things from what you just said. So like, if Buffalo went up fifteen nothing, I would even go so far as to say if they were up, um, let's say two touchdowns and a field goal, seventeen nothing, on the Kansas City Chiefs. The prospect of Buffalo being able to close that game out against the Chiefs is significantly different to if it was the Ravens. Because you know that with the Ravens, they're just going to come out and just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Lamar is hardly going to pass. They're going to shorten the game that way. What yeah. had, We have been saying this from the, from the very beginning of the playoffs. Buffalo cannot run the ball. And it came out here again because you have a lead, but you can't run the ball to protect the lead. You can't shorten the game, so you have to keep passing. You have to keep passing to try to get things done. And similar to what happened in the Green Bay game, then we have McDermott getting, you know, a little bit, Trying to find the most delicate way to put it, so and he can't figure it out. So I can just go rephrase it. I go phrase it completely different. Yeah. He lacked the testicular fortitude to go yeah. for it in key moments when you have a quarterback the size of Josh Allen that can pretty much like plow through the lane. Josh Allen, he had seven rushes for eighty-eight yards in that game. So why aren't, like, you've been leaning on his legs all season long. He has been your rushing game, similar to how Lamar has been critical for the Baltimore rushing game. But when you get into these key moments, you're not using his legs. You're not allowing him then to, you know, like, go on a bootleg. We're not necessarily saying he can take a Taysom Hill quarterback power and run straight at the middle. But you design something a read option, which, but again, if you go read option and nobody believes you're handing the ball off, they could just be coming <laughs> for Josh Allen. So, yeah, yeah, they've handicapped themselves to the point where they you cannot expect that they're going to be able to run this ball credibly. And that means now you're going to get into the shootout with Patrick Mahomes. And there are very few gunslingers that can that will have any hope in winning that because his guns are bigger. When you have Tyree Hill, 9 for 172, Kelsey, 13 for 118, and two touchdowns. Is it right? I I mean I, I like so like I like I was saying, are we it's not as if we didn't expect this to happen and then you know what was one thing that kind of made me realize, all right, well, yeah, this is not going to end well. Um, Devin Singletary dropped, I think it was a screen as well. He was wide open on the right. Josh tosses it to him. Man was wide open, you know, and he would have had, he had enough real estate in front of him to get the first down. Man mm-hmm. completely dropped the ball. And I cannot remember seeing Devin Singletary in the game afterwards. It was strictly TJ Yeldon. And, and Ken T.J. Yeldon is not even the, the running back two in that team. Man is three or four or wherever he is. T.J. Yeldon, and, and this is what I was just trying to check while you were talking to, because I wanted to see how often T.J. Yeldon played this season. That was the sixth game the man played this season again. That was the sixth game that Yeldon apparently was involved in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in one in a game against Tennessee in October, he had seven rushes. That was the most rushes he had all year. So I'm trying. So the fact that this, I mean, T.J. Yeldon is is a man who, um, uh, to me, he's more he's, he's similar to like what James White is for us. Like he would he would he could get lined up on the outside and he would you know toss him, squeeze him, and that kind of thing too. He's not he's not really a a, 
a hardcore runner like a Belcore or anything like that. He's just he's sort of similar to the rest of them because Singletary and that Singletary is no good to me. You know, Zach Moss, I I don't see the the big difference between him and Singletary, but I, Zach Moss was the one getting most of the goal line work during the season, and the man had to bring in T.J. Yeldon. And when I saw that, I was like, a man who hasn't played all season essentially. He played well, about a quarter of the season, and this is a man who essentially is supposed to lead your running game. I was like, okay, the Bills don't have it. They don't. And then, like you said, the, McDermott wasn't even leaning on, on Josh Allen's running anymore. It, it, was it like resignation? Did they, did, did they expect, like, it, you, you can't be, Kansas City punted the ball once in this game. On the very first drive. On the well, if if that is not if that is not a signal that you have to be going for every single thing in this game because Mahomes is getting these men into position into a good enough field position to to whether it's score eventually score a touchdown or at least um have a field goal attempt and, and and like you said like you can't you cannot be going for it and you don't even have a run. I, I guess they they said they'll be back next year, but. They really do need somebody to run. Because I actually tweeted out, oh, the, the Bills need they need a runner. They need a running back. They really do. No, but the thing is, like, one of the things that I, I was looking at, too, as you mentioned, you had Kansas City first drive was a punt. Touchdown, 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 kneel down first half. That's the end of the first half. So it's like, all right. You you really need to try to get something going, and I remember last season, not so much this season, but last season, one of the marks of the Buffalo Bills team was that their defense was very very strong, and where Josh Allen was still ascending, he was still getting better. Um, they showed a graphic where it said that Allen had ten touchdown passes his first season, he had twenty the last year and he had 40 this season so the defense was necessary was needed to help carry the bills through but their defense has kind of fallen off this season and with the defense falling off like that then it is all on josh and if your defense has no hope to stop the chiefs like i could just Chillers out there. When the Saints played the Chiefs, the Chiefs had a lot of yards and they scored a good few points. I can't remember what the final score was. But when they, when you looked at how many plays they ran to get those yards, they were averaging like four point something yards per play. The Saints defense was good enough to stymie them on the day, but we had... Um, Breeze on the center. He was no coming back from having all those crack ribs. And all, our offense was not in the place that it, it needed to be to keep up while our defense was stymieing them. And nobody right. else has been able to play them as tough as we did. Mm-hmm. And we see what happens in this game. All right. So we, we've covered all of the recap from this weekend and we know that we have basically a week off because this week would normally no be pro bowl week but because of covid we have no pro bowl so i figure that we could spend a little time talking about some of the other goings on outside of the games in the nfl and primarily with these this quarterback situation because we have been hearing that um, quarterback of the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, he is very upset with the organization. And he is now at the point that he wants out. That's what we're hearing, but he's not come out and said anything. We have not seen any um, official trade requests having been filed. But Watson wants out of Houston, which... If I'm Houston, I know Bill O'Brien is gone, but you got to look at yourself and, and see what created this situation in the first place. Because O'Brien, as GM, did so much trash. 
so much foolishness because you can't tell me that it makes sense on any level to trade a popular player in your locker room in DeAndre Hopkins, a man that doesn't get himself in any trouble outside of the game. He doesn't get himself in any trouble in the game. He just comes out. He runs his routes. He catches his balls. He scores his touchdown. He doesn't even have big, elaborate celebrations. He catches his balls in the end zone. He has it off. He runs back to the sideline. But you're going to trade him for David Johnson from the Cardinals with one of the worst contracts in the NFL, a man who has not had good production for from the time he signed this contract. Yeah, he did have some injuries and stuff, but at the same time, he has not been given he he didn't give good production. You you traded for Larry Tunsil, but you gave up the farm to get him from the Dolphins. So as GM, he didn't do a good job. The season started horribly, but somehow Deshaun Watson still finishes as the passing leader in the NFL. But your quarterback is telling you, okay, so these are the kind of people, these are the people that we want you to take a look at for GM. And you don't you don't look at the man's list. You don't you don't you don't consult the man at all before you 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 make the hire to bring in Pelicero, I think is his name. That was your former chaplain, I think it was, in, in New England. So you bring in this guy and he's saying, okay, you know. These are the GMs I would like to work with, but I also like you to bring in the enemy and you don't even call the man for an interview. So, I don't know about you. Actually, no, let me rephrase that. I know that you, like me, would be glad if your team would pick up the phone and call the Texans and tell them, hey, about Deshaun. But if you are the Texans, what does it take for you to move him? And when does it happen? What does it take? Wow. This is always a waiting game. I, I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if and in in if they're smart and they try to play chess with it, they it, they would probably drag this out closer to the, the time of the draft. Um potentially to see what, what they could get, like who would be willing to, to do something right before, see what picks they could get. I mean, it, it would definitely take if you get rid of Deshaun at this point. Where where do you go? What 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 exactly is your plan from here? Is it rebuilding? I, I, I would think that from here, you, you, you're not just you can't trade Deshaun and, and get back to the same position despite having um DJ and Brandon Cooks I like. So from here, I feel like you're going back to rebuilding, though. So it, I, I would have to think that at, at this point, it would be picks you'd be looking at. Maybe you wanted a, a player somewhere inside there to, 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 to balance it out. But at, for the most part, I feel like it would be picks. What else can you... I, I don't see how... I don't see how if, if they're in this position, if I'm in this position, how I get Deshaun out and, and get somebody... You're not going to get anyone equally adept in terms of talent, right? I, I just don't see what. And I think the, the the phrase you used was that Houston is a poison chalice at this yes. point. Yes, definitely. So 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 to hang on to that phrase, right? The, the, with the job not even being attractive, like I don't think anyone is coming in there now and expecting that Deshaun Watson is going to leave, and then the Houston Texans are going to be potentially challenging to win that division next year. So from here is rebuild for me, essentially. Well at this point, like you you're asking, you're you're saying that maybe it might, re might be a rebuild. They have to tear that whole sucker down. Everybody that can move has to move. Yeah, essentially yeah. And you I don't, you I don't I don't see any other I don't see any other way. I don't see any other way. But because they, even even I mentioned DJ as well, but they would have to get him off because it would make no sense having him hang around for what, what it is they're trying to do post-Deshaun. It would have to be a rebuild, especially him, like you said, with that contract. He needs to go. The Archer, Brandon Cooks, my guy, but he, as usual, he can get moved on to, most likely. 
Yeah, you, you, you have to. Uh, pardon? Poor fella. Yeah, I know, right? It's true. Sh- it's forever. It's sh- <laughs> the man is terrible, you know, but he just can't lock down a spot. You know? He just ain't that guy. But yeah, I, I, I agree. With it. Like, it would have to be a. a, a I don't. I really don't feel like there's another way. It has to be a rebuild. Tear it down. Start from scratch. See, but the, the problem that I think that Houston has in this in this entire scenario is that, as you mentioned, there is no way for them to get equal equal value for Deshaun Watson. And as much as they have the contract with Deshaun, to me, Deshaun has all the leverage because. He is a marquee talent at a position that there's a significant market inefficiency because we have 32 teams and we don't have 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL. And let's, all right, let's, let's, let's play this out, right? So Houston decides we're not trading Deshaun unless you give us like, five first round picks or some mess like that, right? Of course, pretty much no team is going to take that deal. We have a couple teams right now that are up in the draft and because of other trades that they've made, they do have a lot of draft capital, but nobody is going to just give away their future. Even if it is for Deshaun Watson, if the price is five or four first round picks, he might find a team desperate enough to do four. But definitely not five. I heard, what's his name? Nick Wright. He made a comment where he said that the deal, if he is, if he was trying to get Deshaun off the taxes, is that whatever team it is that is taking Deshaun, they're giving them their first round pick every year that he's on the roster. It's so real good if you are the Houston Texans. No team is taking that deal. And if Deshaun, like, right, if Deshaun Watson says, trade me, I am not playing. And you say, you just signed a contract, get your butt in here and play these games. The man said, all right, I'm not going to do like Le'Veon and, and just sit down the entire year. Money is to be made and I, I want to make my money. So Deshaun reports to camp and he looks good in camp. And then you know, a la James Harden. First game of the season, Deshaun goes up there, throws for 350 yards, four touchdowns, runs for another 60 or 70, balls out. Game two, Deshaun goes seven of 25 for 88 yards and four picks. Game three, he goes 10 of 30. For 105, no touchdowns, three picks. What are the Texans going to do? Because at that point, the season is lost. Regardless of what you do, I don't even remember who his backup is. It does not even matter. The backup can't come in at that point and save the season. You can't trade him for any big amount of anything because nobody's going to take him on it. Well, nobody's going to give you what you want because, no, you are desperate. Right now, Houston is doing their best to make it seem as if they are not desperate, and they are. They have a huge problem at quarterback, and you can't... It is like Houston Rockets playing James Harden knowing that he wanted to leave. At least... Harden, even though he was the most important piece according to their offense and the way how they had everything structured, you can easily sit him. You can run the offense a different way. You can do different things with the players that you have. You cannot do that if your quarterback is not bought in. So as much as they're trying to to posture and, and do all of this, it makes absolutely no sense. Right now, they should be they should be holding an open bid, an open bidding. Everybody, we have an auction on Deshaun Watson. What you got? So if somebody comes and say, I can give you my first round pick 
and May 2nd this year, and you get somebody else coming to now. But we, what we're going to do, we're going to give you our first this year, and next year, second and fourth. It, I would be going around knocking at every door and be like, yeah, what you got? And whatever's the best deal, I take it and I run with it. I blow up the rest of the roster this offseason and do what I can to rebuild from the draft, free agency, wherever. But you have to do something. You can't let this continue, even into draft season, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, 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 I wasn't think I wasn't thinking that they would let it carry on to that. I, for the most, I feel like they would carry it probably up to that time, close to that time, and then and then. And then try to do something that, but no, I, I mean, in the grand scheme, I agree with you, though. I agree with you. Like, this team is just not well run, though. It's just oh. not well. It's just not well run. To, to be in this kind of position, though. Yeah, and you know, one of the teams that was um, the names of teams that was being thrown around as a landing spot for him was Miami. I really don't want Deshaun in my division if he's if he ain't coming at me. I don't want him. <laughs> I can't take on Deshaun, Josh Allen, and um, well, uh, I know I don't even know what the Jets go to do if this keeps sticking with Sam or if it will end up being um Justin Fields. But either way, I, that's too much to handle in one season, man. But I, I, oh, I honestly, I don't feel Deshaun is going to be a Texan next season. I, 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 I feel I, I mean, because based on I'm just going off of um piggybacking off of your scenario where. You know, they decided not trading him and they keep him into next season. And, you know, he, that scenario, they just outlined. I don't see how they do that. Like, that, that, that is, that is, I won't even say the words, that is the dumbest thing they could, they could potentially do. Try to keep him because the man seems completely over the team and completely done, done with the Houston Texans. So I do not think it, it is in their best interest to, to, to even try to force him to, to stay. It doesn't make sense. You have to get rid of him. You have exactly. to get rid of him. So imagine that we can actually. Let me not say get rid of. Because get rid of makes it sound like yeah, like you said, like they have leverage. You have to let him go. Sorry. You have, yeah, you yeah. have to let him go. You have to let him go. Yeah. And is is the same thing like what's happening in Detroit, because Stafford, he has officially come out and put in his trade request. So he took too. He take this man take too long. He take yes. too long. <laughs> 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 this one, I don't know why he was waiting. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, but I but I agree. Like honestly, yeah. if I was Stafford, I would have been I would have tried to get out of Daily two or three years ago. It's long, it's years no can. It's years no can. I don't know what Marty Stafford is doing there. I, he, he clearly has to be a really uh, upstanding um guy to, to yeah. want to stick it out in it. Uh I, he's I I would actually I I don't see us being in the in the in the running to get Deshaun, but I I would really like us to get Stafford, and I've been telling you so for a while. I would really mm -hmm. like us to get Stafford. You know, yeah, he still won't got much to work with besides probably Jacoby Myers, but it's 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 still be an upgrade. I don't care. It'll be but, an upgrade. I mean, I'm supposed to have a little money to to throw around next year, a little bit, a little bit, so. Yeah, it depends I mean, on what direction we plan to go here because we've never seen us in a rebuilding um, phase, you know, in the, in the Bill era necessarily. So, yeah, I mean, y'all went literally, y'all went straight from Drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady, and then you had Tom Brady for what twenty seasons. Yeah, so you you don't know what it's like to be well. <laughs> when I say A loss to B, I don't really know what it's like either because I've had Breeze for my entire my entire tenure with New Orleans. So we don't know what it's like to have to rebuild like how like uh Cleveland, for example. Cleveland, they've been searching for a quarterback. And I not one hundred percent sold at the phone one yet, but you are a lot more there than I am. Um but okay. Uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, you're okay. <laughs> I can't wait for next season. Cause I know he can give us lots of content. Him by himself. But but I think though that Detroit, Detroit is playing it the right way. And that is like we gonna have a conversation. You say you wanna leave, cool, no problem. We can let everybody know you wanna leave, we can figure it out. Shortly before I came on here, I saw that um 
one of the landing spots that apparently there is, well, he has interest in going to is Indianapolis. Of course, that, that, that seems like one of the highly um, desired destinations. Well, I mean, and, Indianapolis does not, they, they have a good team. They, yeah, have they, a very, they have a very good balanced team. And you could say that they may have been a quarterback away. So bringing him in is going to put them in an even better stead next season, I believe. But I personally, just like you, I I honestly don't see how the Saints could get into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes because the Texans think they have the power and they're calling for some, they can call for like the, the whole firm, like almost the whole draft or first round picks for like the like three first round picks in the next five years or some mess like that. They can be doing that kind of stuff. So I can't see the Saints getting in there. But I believe that we could probably try to make a run at Stafford. Like I'm sure that as much as Stafford is looking at Indianapolis and saying Indianapolis would be a good landing spot for him. I don't see a better situation in the NFL for a quarterback looking for a new team than New Orleans if Drew Brees retires. Because we have it all. Receivers, well, tight end is still a developing position, but receivers, running back, defense, you don't have to work that hard, sir. Just come on in, do your thing. You will get your yards working with Peyton. But... I think that next season, chances there might be the Jameis experience. I'd rather that than the Taysom Hill experience. But time, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah, I, as as much as I berated your team last week, I have to admit that it would be an attractive destination if Drew was to make, uh, when he makes that retirement official. It would be an attractive destination. I, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. More so... More so than the parts, because in a dark place, boy. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, right now, y'all are looking for the light. Our light is shining bright. We just need a quarterback. So I think we have covered quite a bit tonight. This is a, a good spot to end. So, again, to everyone, thank you for your time. We really appreciate you spending any of your day, night, whenever with us. Rate us, review us, like, and subscribe. We still want to grow. We still want to get more people involved in this partnership. Where we can take it. So once again, that is AJ. This is Ken. Got my direction right. <laughs> we will see you next time.